Hello, everyone. It's my pleasure to welcome you to this latest edition in our Course 5 Compass podcast series. Uh, I'm delighted you're able to join us as we've been chosen to double-click into a subject that I would say is close to all our hearts. Uh, my name is Joseph Sursok. I've been working with data analytics now for 20-odd years. I manage the European region here. And now, before we jump right in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the current worldwide lockdown is proving rather tricky, even highly challenging for many of our friends, clients, and colleagues, as I'm sure you all have personal references that talks to it. So let's be thankful we can exchange new ideas, observations, and recommendations in such podcasts, as the vast majority of us wish to keep learning, developing, um, and growing during these exceptional crises. Okay, now that I mentioned, this subject is close to all our hearts as we are talking about improving the adoption of self-surface BI at a time when analytics has become ubiquitous in all enterprises. But its adoption, regrettably, is not. I'm excited to be joined on this podcast, Improve Self-Service BI Adoption through Course 5 Discovery by two seasoned Course 5 colleagues, David and Sushant, both of which bring over 15 years experience in this subject matter. So gentlemen, quick intro, and perhaps we can touch on your current roles. Right here. Uh, happy to be here with you, Joseph and Shushant. Happy to be seasoned. That's, it's always good to be uh, observed and, and considered to be seasoned. Uh, I guess uh, season, the opposite of season might be bland. So um, my career uh, spans about 15 years in the analytics space. I'm at Course 5 looking after consulting and solutions. So happy to be here. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Sushant Ejmani here. I'm equally delighted too. And uh, I'm a vice president of product management here and looking after our product business. So I come from a pretty strong digital background. I've spent over 20 years in this ecosystem and played myriad roles from being an analyst and consultant and also as an entrepreneur for a few years in my life. And uh, presently I'm looking after our product business. Really delighted to be here. Thank you both. Great. So uh, I'd like to kick us off with some context and background, as this does go back several years. If we go back in time, BI can find its origins in the 80s, uh, when it began to become a thing, as it were. Uh, Gartner coined a few phrases at the time, and it all evolved from even older terms, such as DSS, which is Decision Support Systems. Now, roll this forward to the 2000s, and we have the idea of a service, self-empowerment, uh, more control of one's data, a lot more intuitive uh, UI and functionality, all coming through. Now, at the risk of highlighting one specific platform over another, we can just summarize that today there are dozens of BI platforms. Last time I checked with Gartner Quadrants, there was a good 15 plus leading BI solutions for enterprises to consider. What is interesting here from the recently con conducted market research are some stark findings with regard to the adoption of self-service BI. So the first one I have for you today is this finding which claims that self-service analytics adoption is hovering at 35% across industries. Now note, this is agnostic to vertical sectors, so it's across all sectors. And the word hovering is interesting. That means it's not a, a recent phenomenon. It's been sat there for a while. So keep that thought. And then the next one, again, reflecting on enterprises and users. Inevitably, there are some users who are more adapt at analytics than others, and they need to make uh, data-driven decisions you know, in their day-to-day -day business. And interestingly, 79% of these 
have to ask IT or a business analyst for help. This is in their companies. Plus 7% use a self-service tool. So nearly 80% have to ask for help to get their work done, to get data-driven activities executed. And then 7%, only 7% are using self-service tools. Now, these figures are mind-boggling when we think that we're several generations into this. Now, from my own experiences, I know that factors that affect BI adoption cover a multitude of sins. Some are related to training, some to decision-making psychology, some of it is visualization for what people refer to as the left brain or visualization for the right brain and the quality and the speed of data. Now, this takes me to a good segue onto the more practical hands-on perspectives. David, I know you've had a long history as a practitioner and managing teams in this space. For our listeners, what lens would you typically look through when addressing this challenge? Yeah, I think it's really interesting to dig into this a bit further. It, you, you kind of it becomes a rather practical lens to consider like who are these organizations, who, who are the, the individuals at these organizations. You start to discover that there are, are some, some personas, some common user types uh, that emerge. And they have different needs, they have different expectations, different abilities, executives kind of being at the often at the, the top of the stack. They're, they're the ones who are often uh, responsible for making decisions. So they're invested in making sure that they can rely on data. They want uh, to be able to assess a lot of information very quickly. So it's, it's imperative that they have human-friendly insights. They have a sense of where there are changes in numbers. Uh, they want to know quickly what the anomalies are. They, they, they want to know why the, the, the anomalies are what they are. So causal factors become really uh, important. They want to know what's going to happen in the future. So predictive indicators and prescriptive recommendations become really important to this executive audience. I, I've been in a number of meetings as a practitioner where the executive had to make a decision. Uh, how are we going to promote our, our product in the coming week? And uh, there's just that, that decision triggers a range of activities from uh, marketing spend to printing off physical assets that, that sit at the front of the store and everything is waiting on that decision. And, and it's a tough place for an executive to be to not know what's going on. And so they, they want data uh, to inform that decision. They also have this sense of what's happened in the past. They bring history with them. And so the, this audience is, is demanding more and more that uh, their, their BI tools, even if they're not in the tool, that, that the people who they rely on to share that information with them are able to call up for them the, the information that they need to make decisions in as short a time as possible. You know, the, the concept of it taking hours and days to get information to make a critical decision is, may have been tolerated in the past, but, uh, but that, those, those days are, are fading away into the distance and, and the speed to insight bias or emphasis is, is definitely present for this executive audience. There, there are other audiences, other personas, business users, for example, are, are the ones who are often executing the, the requirements for this executive group. They're especially focused on understanding anomalies in real time. They often receive uh, just uh, an extreme number of requests for, for assistance, either clarifying metrics that an executive is, is observing themselves in a BI tool or, or being asked to look up information and report on it. And so being able to get through that information quickly is, is super important. Causal information is also very important for the, the business user because it's, they have to explain themselves. 
and they, and they expect a, a, a closed loop uh, or a closed feedback loop where their, their passive and active feedback can be recalibrated based on the insights that they're seeking on a regular basis. So there's this component of uh, personalization for, for the business analysts. So those are some of the, uh, the, the two of the audiences that we're seeing that are pretty interesting. Is that, is that sort of consistent with uh, what you had in mind there, Joseph? Yeah. Are there any interesting stats that, uh, that kind of speak to how organizations are, are using this information? Yeah, I was just about to pick up on one. So you talked about some of the uh, timelines and some of the, um, the turnaround times. So one that, uh, that I've seen again, again, based on a recent research, is that um, in large population of BI users, so now we're talking across, again, multiple enterprises, what the finding says that 60% of them take hours and even days to get the information they need. 60%, you need two thirds of them. Wow, that's uh, that is not you know that is not uh, speed and uh, and responsiveness and as little as three percent are finding information in minutes and seconds. So that timeliness uh, says says it all in terms of what people are experiencing and and finding they've got to work with. And then the other one which you touched upon is this change that we're seeing in enterprises where there's an admission that the culture has to be a lot more insights driven lot more data driven for decision making. And so the statistics that backs this up is the research tells us that 65% of enterprises plan to increase their analytics investments in the next year to drive that change, to drive that awareness that uh, things need to change to faster, more persona-based and a lot better insights uh, support. Did you have any other sort of um, thoughts on this, David? When I think about those, those stats around the concept of it taking hours or days and not the, and very few having access to the information uh, that they feel they need in seconds. I think a, a lot of times the, the technology exists for that data. It's available somewhere and why can't the organization access it? And that just becomes a source of, of great angst, especially when an executive uh, is expecting an answer quickly, needs to make an answer quickly. They feel like, like, like you talked about 65% of organizations planning to increase their investment for those that are investing they're feeling like, you know, I've, I've invested all of this money in people process technology, and what do I have to show for it? It's still taking me hours and days to get the information that I needed yesterday. And, and the business users sort of trying to weed through all of the, uh, either they're running a tool or more often than not, they're, they're dealing with messy data, uh, having to clean things up, trying to discern what it actually means, the science of it. And, and they're, they're, results, the result is this, this angst or, or frustration with each other. And, and so individuals who are in the space who have encountered this uh, are looking for relief in the form of, of better tools, tools that clean up data um, easier, that, that are quicker, that automatically flag anomalies. They're in some cases going back to school to learn more um, and, and trying to become data scientists. But, but we're seeing this, this new breed, kind of this hybrid of sorts emerge uh, that, that Gartner termed uh, citizen data scientists not too long ago, which is a blend of a traditional business analyst with kind of a, a new age data scientist. And this, this citizen data scientist group is looking for more do-it-yourself tools, um, or sometimes we call it AI as a service tools to do the causal and predictive analytics and to do it in real time, to flag anomalies. And this, we, we feel like, at least in, in talking with Shishat, 
uh, as our product head, we feel like this is a huge opportunity to relieve that, that angst and frustration that's existing between the executive and the business analyst. And I guess, Shushant, this might be an interesting time for you to, to share. You've been in this space for a long time. You're really focused on uh, creating tools to alleviate a lot of these concerns. What are you seeing and, and what are you focusing on in order to address some of these issues? Sure. I think uh, I'll just go back in the history uh, around 99, 2000, uh, when this whole analytics wave started. And I remember those days, there were only two platforms. Uh, uh, one used to be called SiteStats, which eventually became Omniture, and now it's called Adobe Analytics. And uh, the other one was WebTrends, which was a market leader during that space. During that era, I remember the focus was always around facilitation. Okay, analytics was never being perceived as a value game. It was more as perceived as a, a facilitation or an enabling game. I remember during my early days when if you are a pretty good programmer, you know how to do the better tracking, you are a guru in the company. Clients love you. And as the industry matured, I still remember the days of global financial crisis in 2007, 2008, that's the time the analytics got its true recognition, okay? That's the time the executives realized what is the ROI on the investment that they have done in hiring an analytics head or analytics manager because that was an era of optimization. And for the good four, five years, starting from 2007 to 2010, there was a whole three to four years of ongoing optimizations when the companies invested heavily in AB experiments, multivariate testing, customer experiential testing, customer journey analytics. There was a whole new wave of analytics came into picture. And then again, a pivot point happened early in 2010 when the whole wave of big data came into picture. And we all know that in the last 10 years or so, there's a massive amount of data proliferation has happened. I remember in the older days, if we have to set up a dashboard or a scorecard for any client, the maximum used to take like three or four data sources, maybe your transactional system, uh, maybe your analytics platform, maybe your data coming from your marketing platforms like DoubleClick or AdWords, and that's it. But early 2010 until now, for some of the large clients that we work here at CodeSpy, we are dealing with like 70 or 80 data sources. Isn't that crazy? Now, when you're dealing with that volume of data and that kind of a diversification, building a story is a, a very mammoth task because each and every data source comes with its own context. Someone needs to think, take a step back and think empathetically that the people or the business users in different business functions who are gonna consume that data, what kind of a story they're looking for. So I, I remember three years ago when we started our discovery journey, the discovery augmented analytics platform that we built, three years ago, we reached out to 28 of our large CPG retail and technology clients. And we did a, a survey and we wanted to ask them what are the fundamental challenges that they're facing with their incumbent self-service BI ecosystem? And there were three major learnings that came out of it, and that became the key input for us to develop the discovery as a platform. The first thing that came out was that all the senior executives, starting from your vice president till your C-level suite, 
they're tired of looking at the dashboards and scorecards with all the facts, okay? They are bored looking at the same scatter plot, your box and whiskers, your bubble charts, your vertical bars, your trend line charts, because they're only talking about the things which have happened in the past, talking about the facts, but not telling them anything actionable, okay? There was no reference to the anomalies and anomalies is not a new concept. It's been there for more than three decades in our industry. I still remember during our school days or college, they used to re read about anomalies and causal factors in statistics. But it took a long time for those concepts to get uh, reached to a critical mass or get a wider acceptance. And it became more and more prominent because of the data proliferation, because of a lot of diversification which has happened in this big data ecosystem. And now when we went to these executives, the first thing they mentioned was that how can we have a more succinct, a more crisp, a more human-friendly way of consuming the insights? Okay, we are not looking for a new screen. We are not looking for a new interface because we have invested heavily in our BI ecosystem. We have invested heavily in our data lakes. We have invested heavily in building up these data pipelines. What we need is how to have a better adoption of the tools that we have already invested in, but by bringing in a very subtle way an intelligence layer on top of it. And that was the first feedback that came out of that initial survey that we went. The second thing that came out was a close feedback loop. If I'm looking at a dashboard, if I'm looking at a scorecard, if I have to take some action, if I have to call someone, if I want to go a little bit deeper into that particular trend chart, or if I'm ignoring that particular chart or that particular part of a dashboard, I want someone to capture that behavior, both in a passive as well as an active format. I should be able to give a feedback against that dashboard or against that storyline that I'm consuming and hoping someone will take that particular feedback, recalibrate the story, and next week when I look at the same dashboard again, I see a different view which sticks with me. And third piece, which is a very, very critical piece is, which is speed to insights. I don't want a 24 hour latency. And that's what's the major feedback that we heard from the mid-management as well as the folks in the senior management that we don't want 24 hours, 48 hour latency. We are a very promotional business. Things changes every other day. Okay, we don't want our insights to have a weekly view or a quarterly view. Sometimes we want daily tractions. I still remember a conversation with the head of supply chain operations with the large CPG brand, David, where he mentioned about his ideal Monday morning. He says, I get more than 100 different flavors of reports and dashboards in my mailbox every week. I don't know which one to open. I don't know which one demands my immediate attention. My ideal Monday morning is 9 a.m. I come to the office, I open my mailbox, and I just want to see that one email. And it has three sections. One section that talks about what happened in the last 24 to 48 hours, what demands my attention now, what the coming week looks like, and what are the top three recommendations for me. That's it. Small succinct email, no charts, no statistical jargons, something very actionable. And that was a big motivating thing for us that, you know what, there is a big void in the industry and we need to fill this void 
we need to build a solution which is catering these fundamental problems in the industry empowering these business users with the good point and contextual anomalies giving them an opportunity to go deeper into these anomalies and find out what are the causal factors behind it okay and these factors should be sorted in the descending order of their relative importance okay it's not a game of volume people are not looking for yeah tons of insights people are looking for those top 5 anomalies or top 3 causal factors and apart from that how can i have a better predictive system so we built a very sophisticated ml and ai based predictive and prescriptive recommendation system which allows both the mid management and the senior management executives to have more actionable weapons in their hand and to cater to those power users in the organizations that you call the citizen data scientists or the old school data analysts who are data crunchy people who are data hungry who wants to protect themselves every monday morning when they go to the meetings with their insights with the tools which are more diy because we are living in the world of tableaus and power bi as where people have habitual of using diy kind of tools so we need to empower them with tools which they are quite habitual of okay and give them right ammunition a right weapon so that they can derive those insights or generate those insights on their own without having any strong data science skills because the models are already there you just need to call the model and get the inferences and that's what we have done in the last 3 years and it has been a amazing journey and i'm i'm really glad that in the in the upcoming episodes that we'll be sharing with our audience some really good use cases some good case studies that we have obtained working in the cpg fmcg and retail sector so i just want to ask my uh, colleague uh, joseph so joseph what are the good key takeaways that we can hand it over to our audience looking at this whole augmented analytics industry which has evolved in the last 7 to 8 years and what kind of uh, areas that they need to focus on both starting from the mid management to the senior executives yeah well thank you both um you certainly um, outlined some great ideas and some great takeaways for our audience and some very good personal stories which is you know at the heart of all our experiences which has really um enriched this discussion i think sushant at the end of the day i'm sure we all agree that without solid and persistent adoption all the technology all the bells and whistles in the world would not help decision makers move the needle and as you and david have talked about it's about key decision makers across the organization different seniority having the means and the capability to move the needle to make those decisions in a timely manner so in order to facilitate and encourage great adoption we have to take a leaf from proven best practices and from new ideas and that means high levels of relevance as you just said richer and agile context and uh, you talked about closer feedback loops faster delivery of insights more human friendly interfaces and insights delivery many would say it's a tall order we say it is a practical reality today in summary to assure this new reality you need some important measures measures of adoption rates across your teams measure of speed to insights measure of action turnaround times all of these and more are important kpis for the team that really want to sort of gallop through this um and not sort of be held back by some of the 
all the practices and you know not taking on board some of the new ideas that we've been covering today so with that uh, we come to the end of this podcast as i mentioned at the onset these are a part of a series on course five the discovery platform during which we will explore further findings and capabilities from our fortune 1000 customers and from the hands-on experiences that sushant and david um, have been through in the field all that's left for me to say is thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking time to learn about the Course 5 Discovery offering. And we encourage you all to keep exploring new ways to make the modern enterprises even more modern and even more agile. If you wish to continue the discussion, you can find us on LinkedIn, as most people, or on our website, which is www.course5, so the word course and the number 5.com. Thank you all for joining us. All the very best. Stay safe and energized.